1: Yep, this all new service hub from HubSpot brings customer service and support together in one simple but powerful platform so you can deliver the best experience possible. And of course, it's powered by AI, not Al, AI, meaning your team can automate those tedious tickets from people who've clearly not read your frequently asked questions. Pain in the backside, aren't they? Oh, and by the way, organisations using HubSpot Service Hub are resolving tickets 13 times faster, helping them to close 42% more tickets per day. That means increasing retention by more than 80%. Thank you, people at HubSpot who who did the maths on that one, because I wouldn't be able to.
0: I love a bit of data. Did you also know, Al, that it consolidates your entire internal knowledge base into one place? So no matter who is working on support, they'll have the answers at their fingertips.
1: I did know that because I wrote that for you. You.
0: well there you have it stand out from the crowd and migrate to hubspot service hub today
1: visit hubspot.com service and learn how this all new solution can help you deliver for your customers Al here, Uh, just editing this and realised there's a dodgy cable between Leanne's microphone and our little fancy recording mixy thing. Um, So I've tried to reduce the hum and the hiss as much as possible, but it's not quite as clear as normal. Everything should be back to normal next week because I've been to the shop and I got ourselves a brand new cable. Okay, back to the show.
0: Hello and welcome to the Truth, Lies and Workplace Culture podcast. My name is Leanne.
1: And I'm Al.
0: And welcome back. Hello. If this is your first time listening, where have you been? Where have you been? I'll be honest. If this is your first episode, you rabble jumpy in episode 10, <laughs> honestly. But if it is your first time, let's introduce ourselves, Al.
1: So my name's Al. I'm a business owner and I'm here to ask Leanne questions about building a business in terms of people.
0: And my name's Leanne. I'm a business psychologist, which basically means I help small businesses and leaders with everything to do with people and culture to help their businesses grow and their people to thrive. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, Hi. <laughs> Hello. What's your name?
1: <laughs> this, is, this isn't a two-way medium, but you can get in touch with us. We'll tell you towards the end because we love hearing from listeners. It's kind of weird recording on your own because you don't really see the listener in front of you mm. or hear, you know, they're not in front of you. So
0: They're not in front of you. They're not. No.
1: no. Okay. So today <laughs> we are talking about the cost of living crisis and I'll go into what that is in a second and how it might or how Leanne thinks it might affect people working from home. So first of all, um, in terms of cost of living crisis, I'm sure you've heard the term before, but just in case you haven't, essentially what we're saying is that the cost of living is in crisis. There we go. That's the end of
0: it. That's a nice, succinct way of putting it. I like it. So
1: there's rising costs without going into the economics of it because... A, I don't understand it, and B, I'm not qualified to talk about it. But essentially, inflation, in certainly in the UK and now it's increasing across the US and EU, inflation means that everything is getting more expensive. So particularly energy costs, um, if you rent, then your rents are probably going up. If you have a mortgage and your interest rate is not fixed, then your mortgage is going to go up. And so essentially what's happening is that we are moving in the UK towards a recession. Now, the problem is that as things, as the prices go up, it means that it's more and more difficult for families to afford things. And so certain things have to go. There was, what was that stat? Something about a million UK adults went a whole day without eating? Was that back in February 2022?
0: Yes, I'm sorry. Is that a question? <laughs> I thought you were just talking rhetorically. <laughs> question: Yes, no, it was, it was, it was, um, by the food, uh, a food foundation think tank. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's the the, you know, the the reality is a cost of living crisis for. For many of us will mean the end of disposable income or less disposable income. Sadly for many others, it is going to push people below the poverty threshold um, and that's what that statistic uh, was finding that uh, yeah a million UK adults were going without eating um, for a whole day within within that month, which is quite a shocking statistic really?
1: It is a little bit and so again, we're going to get into how this is this is affecting work from home in a second. Um, but it's not just the UK because it seems that the um, EU was at 2.2% inflation a number of months ago, and now it's up at 8.9. So that's going the same way. It seems that the US is going a similar way, inflation's up. And obviously, you know, it is dependent on micro sort of economics in the country, what what's going up. But uh, certainly in the UK, you're going to see a massive increase in things, just staples like butter and bread, and then of course, your electricity, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, which has got a direct impact on running your machines and running everything from home. Um, So there's a few things that have caused it. Um, Brexit, for the UK, Brexit has been been a massive contentious issue. The
0: gift that keeps giving, Brexit.
1: Mm, I think we we both, you might have guessed that we both, that we both very much remainers, uh, very much against Brexit. But of course it's happened, so we can't cry about it. But there's other things. We can
0: cry about it. We can, I suppose. All we we can do about it.
1: (laughs) And the other thing to consider is that uh, COVID has just hit. Um, it meant that a lot of businesses had to essentially close and be supported by the government. All that money has to come from somewhere. So um, that's had a massive impact uh, for everything. And also a lot of the service industry is kind of shut down. So there's no income coming in. So this means that basically the UK and a lot of other countries around the world aren't prepared for this cost of living crisis. There's other things like supply chains. Uh, so I mean, the war in Ukraine is having an impact on supply of grain, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, to a lot of Europe. Um, I'm not sure about uh, America, but certainly uh, Europe and and Britain. That's happening. So it's meaning because because there's less grain, therefore there's less say bread on the shelves, therefore the price of the bread goes up. Simple supply and demand, um, and then also like the weather, it's just been this basically this kind of like horrible shit storm that's just come together. Uh, because in 2021 um, there was a there was a nasty cold snap in certain parts of Asia, which meant the energy pro- energy usage skyrocketed, uh, which then pushed prices up. And there's other things like regulation, certainly in the UK. There's about thirty energy firms that have gone bust recently. Um, I mean, when I say gone bust, that might be a UK term. Basically, gone, gone out of business um, because they can no longer uh, provide energy at the prices which they promised. Um, so that means that now we've got kind of a monopoly in the UK of sort of two or three large um, energy providers which they monopolize the market. They can charge basically whatever they want. Now, of course, if you've got three laptops, like in this office here, we have a computer, a laptop, and Leanne's laptop, plus lights, cameras, all this kind of stuff. All that is going to increase the cost um, of energy that we're going to be using. Um, there are other concerns, like environmental concerns. Um, and The UK is generally moving towards green energy, but we're not quite there yet, are we, Leah? no. Know and uh, agriculture as well. I mean, this is just this is just this perfect shitstorm, as I said, because now we're having crops that are in the UK that are rotting because uh, they haven't got the people to go and pick them. Because the people traditionally were from Europe who came across, migrated across for summer or winter and picked the crops, and so that's the problem with the food. So, again, reduced supply, you know, demand increasing or staying the same prices will go up. Um, so we need to ask the question you've been in here for about eight minutes now what's the cost of living crisis got to do with working from home Leah can you answer that?
0: Mm, Yes so I think that I mean the the cost of living crisis and I mean just in terms of we think before looking at working from home or hybrid working if we just look at at kind of the impact that's going to have on people um so we heard about that, that statistic earlier about a million people going without a meal um a more recent survey by Ransom in 2022 actually found that 55% of people have or are considering getting a second job to pay for the increased cost of living. So, as an employer, if your employees are now getting additional work, which may push their, you know, their working hours up significantly, um, that is going to not only affect them in terms of their physical and, and mental health, um, but also potentially their productivity, which may impact your business. So yeah, the cost of living crisis is something that is going to impact businesses and um, all of us. And the sad thing is, you know, the longer, as Al said, with between Brexit and COVID, we were already facing an up an uphill battle um, at the, the war in there as well. Um, yeah. And the longer that goes on, the more we're going to be affected. So it is something to be mindful of. Bringing it back to working from home, well, I think it's quite obvious, really. If things are more expensive, then working from home is going to be more expensive. So that might mean that employees are maybe going to start considering going back into the office. Maybe. What do you think, Al?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's kind of a weird thing that so, some, of the, some of our clients have wanted people back in the office. Um, from from the start, really. And they've been really campaigning to get people back in the office for a variety of reasons. Um, and so, yes, and, and, and understandably, people have been against going back because they've been working from home for two years. It's so much easier it's no commute. Um, you've got much more flexible hours. If you've got childcare issues, it's probably easier uh, if you're at home to manage that kind of issue. Um, but then the other side of the coin is that now with energy prices going up, rents potentially going up, maybe... Business owners don't want people back in the office because they're going to have to pay their employees' heating bill. Essentially,
0: yeah, I think that is that is a point, isn't it? And and I think what you you know what you said there about lots of business owners have just been looking for a reason to get employees back. And you know, you might look at, at the cost of living crisis as one of those things um, that you can do. And you know, I it's fine, um, but making sure as well that you know if you're just serving your own. Um, your own needs for the benefit of yourself, um, then that is going to, you know, you know about employee engagement. We've talked about this before. We know that those actions are going to have an impact. So it's not quite the clean cut solution. Uh, that said, if you know, you framed it as a way of of supporting people with the cost of living crisis, um, then yeah, maybe this is something that could boost not only getting people back into the office, but employee engagement and wellbeing along with it. So in terms of, I guess, the the so easiest problem to solve first i guess if you're an employee or a, or an employer is understanding how much more it actually costs to work from home versus working in the office um, and there's no real consensus on this in terms of what people um, believe the right answer to be. Um, it's kind of kind of a 40-40 a split um, in terms of people think it's more cost effective to commute, people think it's more cost effective to uh, work from home, and then the remaining 20% think um, that an office home split is going to be as cost effective. And I guess it's because we've never really sat down and figured that out before. Um, but as you said, you know, with energy prices raising at the rate they are, um, yeah, this is something that that now may make a difference. Um, so I think you've got some stats, Al, haven't you, on how much it actually costs to work from home?
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm going to have to refer to my notes over here. But um, so the main thing, as we probably know from working from home, is the heating. Um, and you know, there's there's the old joke that that at Christmas, you know, that your dad always puts, makes you put a jumper on rather than turning the heating on. But obviously, there's some facts behind that because the heating is the most expensive thing in. In, in your house. Um, so we've talked about, so Leanne's done a little bit of research and to heat your house for one day, um, it'll cost you £18. Pounds. Now, are these the existing numbers, Leanne, or are these the new numbers?
0: Um, so these, was, these were taken within the last three weeks. Um, so yes, yeah, so they're recent, but then they probably might have gone up already.
1: Potentially. So what we're saying is that for, for one day, it's £18. Pound, what's that? About 20, 20 US dollars. Um, to heat your, to heat your house, uh, for five days, you're talking about 90 pounds for a month. You know, what is, what it, should we do it in dollars? Cause nice, easy numbers. So 30 times 20 is $600 just to heat your, heat your house. Um, this is US dollars. Then to keep your computer running, it says about £6 a month, but that's probably based on most people turning it off. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't turn my computers off at night. Probably should actually, but I don't turn them off at night. Um, you got tea, coffee, all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's probably about a quid, quid 50. Um, so at this point, if you're not careful, then just for a five-day working week, you're in it for £100, mm-hmm. um, £100 UK So that's, you know, you've got to compare that to commuting. Um now, did you, did you do some stats on some, on, on some prices on commuting or costs on commuting, Leah?
0: I did, I did. But to be honest, there's so many different variables that talking through it, I'm not sure they'll make much sense. But of course, fuel for, you know, diesel, petrol is going up in price as well. Um, so if you do drive to work, that might be something that, you know, is much more expensive than it used to be. Uh, whereas public transport, I know um, in Manchester recently, they brought in a standard fare. Um, so wherever you go in Manchester, you won't be charged more than two pounds. So it might be that, you know, some of the local councils are starting to respond to the cost of living crisis as well in terms of public transport. So what might have been expense option before may now be more cost effective. Um But I think exactly what you said there, Aleph, it is a rough rule of thumb as of, october 2022 um to work from home in terms of energy and heating um it's going to cost you about 100 pounds a week or what 120 us dollars um, but of course these are all uk-based prices so you would need to work that out yourself friend um but yes yeah, so about 100 pounds so if it costs you less to commute than 100 pounds um, and then you may be better working from the office
1: but i mean there's got to be a consideration as well that Working from the office isn't just about saving money. You are going to be with people you know and there's camaraderie and potential sort of ideas that it's easier to collaborate sometimes when you're with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things you've got, to, you've got to factor in. But essentially what you are saying is that if it's costing, if it costs you less than £100 a week to commute into the office, um, then potentially it's going to be cheaper doing that than it is from working at home.
0: Absolutely. And I think in terms of businesses that are currently operating a hybrid model, yes, there are going to be other potential benefits of people coming to the office. Like you said, collaboration has been cited as one, um, knowledge sharing and particularly amongst um, uh, newer or younger employees. Um, and in terms of onboarding as well, you know, if you have new starters, then, then yeah, that's been cited as something that is easier to do in the office I say cited because I think it all depends on how you handle that situation but that's a different conversation for a different day um, but I think you're absolutely right that the focus needs to be the cost of living crisis so if you're having conversations and you should be having conversations with your employees have one-to-ones over the next few you know next few days next few weeks ask them how yeah. they're being impacted by the cost of living crisis ask them how they are you know feeling financially point out that you know you've heard some research it costs about a hundred pounds a week to to work from home, go through some calculations with them, encourage them to to look at that. Um and equally look at your own your own PL and your own business cost and and actually figuring out you know how many people you want in the office and, and the cost of that. Um but yeah the focus should be on on the employee and supporting them um through the cost of living crisis, which you know, it's, it's been around for about 12 months already. It's really starting to bite now. And I think the next six months are going to be really difficult for a lot of people.
1: Definitely. So let's switch to talking about hybrid models here. So a hybrid model, first of all, can you just define a hybrid workplace model and then tell us what you think it means, this cost of living crisis means for the hybrid work model?
0: Um, so a hybrid work model is when employees will spend some of their time in the office and some of their time working from home. Uh, The frequency of that will vary from business to business, from individual to individual. Um, But having that split of working from home and working um, in the office, that is a hybrid model of work. Um, So in terms of how it's going to what's going what to mean for businesses with the hybrid model. I think the first thing it is, is costs, you know, cost to your business, cost to the individual. Um, And added that in either, you know, increased costs alongside um rising prices that could cause, you know, some real financial challenges for both business leaders and employees. So yeah, I think if you're and I guess similarly, if you're currently operating at a fully remote model or, or a fully um, work from the office model, um, I guess it's just a, a case of understanding, you know, the financial impact this is going to have um, and, and potentially the psychological impact this is going to have on, on people that are struggling as well.
1: Mm. So how is this different to previous sort of economic challenges? I think is a polite way of putting it.
0: As you said, I think with this one, it really is just the perfect storm of so many things that are impacting the economy at the moment. Um, and I think what I was actually listening to um, um, a presentation by an economist the other day, and he was kind of talking about, you know, the the. the Trouble or the, the added challenge with this economic situation is just the factors of it that we've never quite seen before, or we've not had the same lead up before. Um, and one thing that he was actually saying was um, uh, jobs in the UK. Um, so bearing in mind that we have, I think we've already had a month of of um, contraction, haven't we, in the UK? We've not quite hit the recession yet, but it is coming. But at this point, the UK still has the lowest um, unemployment rate that it has since the 1970s. It's currently only at 3.5%, and there is still, you know, more than than a million jobs vacancies advertised right now. Um, so, in terms of people being in work, it's better than it ever ever has been. Um, but I think that is the, you know, the the tricky thing is is whether you know is is the economic crisis goes on the cost of living crisis goes on is it going to start to um, affect jobs plus we've got the disruption of these new ways of working as well which we've not really experienced on this scale before um, given the economic challenge or potential recession we're going into Um, and with that just the levels of disruption you know so much has changed so quickly Um, and we just seem to be and I think this is kind of the, the good and bad side of it is that the bad is, that you know, how much more disruption can we take? You know, psychologically, we're all exhausted by the last three years. It's been a lot. But equally, we were shown how resilient and adaptable we are. Um, I was actually reading that, you know, they had the tube strikes recently in London, mm-hmm. um, that they something ridiculous like... I don't I can't remember the numbers, but for, for argument's sake, let's just say it was like fifty thousand people had to find an alternative route to work because these these particular lines were or stations were were closed because of the strikes, um, and they can track it by the Oyster card, right? Which is like the little um like a little electronic card that you top up and then you tap to like go on a bus or a tube or a train. Like it, it covers all of Transport for London systems. So fifty thousand people had to completely change their journeys. After the strikes finished, something like fifteen to 20,000 people didn't return to the tube. They didn't return to their normal way of getting to work. They'd either found a, a better way or a different way. Um, I just thought that was really amazing that such a high percentage of people were you know what I mean, experiencing that disruption, but actually found a solution that was maybe better for them in, in the long term. Um, I think this is where kind of the... The cost of living crisis and hybrid work come together. Hybrid work is still so new and we're still trying to figure it out. I'm not sure we can entirely predict how the cost of living crisis is going to impact it. Um, but what we can be sure of is this disruption. It goes to one of two ways, doesn't it? Either It either drains us to the point of burnout or, you know, it gives us that that adaptability and, and resilience that we need to, to make things better and perhaps make hybrid work work.
1: Yeah, I think we're all going to be see some very, very different things going on um, over the next sort of five years with work as people redefine what work means. I mean, as we've talked before about, um, you know, people can have their own recording studio at home using an iPhone and a microphone. Um, so there's different ways. And, and certainly anecdotally, I've heard a lot of people uh, are saying that sort of the Gen Zs, are they called Zoomers now? Is that what they call themselves?
0: Are they? think so zoomers i'll
1: have to check that (laughs) um but um but yeah so and so i think what what they're looking for is saying okay well i can build a youtube channel and i can make money that way rather than actually having to go to work and whether can or not obviously time will tell and and the stats suggest that only a small percentage of them will actually make money from that but it is redefining the way that we look at work um so i think there's going to be some massive Mm. massive changes now you've said before that um, one of the biggest problems with work is stress. Now, obviously, if you've got financial issues, surely that's going to be one of the biggest factors for stress at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're, you know, we're, we're starting starting to see more of. I mean, you know, even I think for, for many years, people who are, you know, usually aged between kind of 20s, mid-20s, mid-30s, um, you know, financial pressures are can be a bit more acute. Um, And that's still true now. So uh, 35% of 25 to 34 year olds um, have cited financial pressures as a cause of stress, uh, which actually makes it the most common cause of stress outside of work. Um, So if you bear in mind that 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 is probably going to increase and intensify with the cost of living crisis, um, then yeah, stress as a business leader. I would be worried about the levels, the increased levels of stress, uh, driven by, um, you know, financial challenges that uh, that my team are going to experience, because we all know stress is not good. Mm. You know, you'll, you'll know this already, you know, job stress, it makes employees more prone to error. It can cause dips in performance. It can trigger mental health challenges, uh, burnout, absenteeism, conflict in the workplace, even, um, you know, and if job stress does go unaddressed, um, then it's going to start to transcend the impact on the individual and start to have impacts on the business, including turnover um, and disengagement, Um so yeah, in terms of, of stress, we already know that it costs businesses billions of pounds a year. That is why there is so much money put into the health and wellness sector. Um, and yeah, the reality is the cost of living crisis has the potential, the very real potential to increase stress levels and increased stress levels are bad for business. I am quickly interrupting this phenomenal podcast to recommend another phenomenal podcast yeah anyway listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts
1: so let's get practical so what tips would you give to business leaders what are their priorities right now
0: I think the first thing is to really look at, you know, what what financially works for you. You know, if we're heading into a cost of living crisis, the last thing uh, we want is, you know, businesses getting to a point where it's no longer financially viable for them to operate. Um, so I think, you know, look at your numbers, talk to your accountant, figure out the costs. What are the increased costs if more people are coming to the office or more people uh, coming in more frequently um, and from a cost perspective, figure out what works for the business. Um, and then you might want to feed that into your current hybrid working policy um, or indeed maybe create one if you are currently a fully remote or a fully static workplace. Um, so I think that's the thing is it's one of those things, put your own mask on before you help other people, figure out your financial situation in it and what works for you. Um and then of course, you know, you know, financial well-being is a is a term that you might not be familiar with, but I promise you over the next three months it's going to be everywhere. Um, so to give you a definition, because you know I like that Al, um, financial well-being is a state of being Right. Wherein a person can fully meet current and ongoing financial obligations, can feel secure in their financial future, and is able to make choices that allow them to enjoy life. And financial well being is actually uh, one of the, the four main factors that, that create uh, well being, psychological well being, um, as a term and as a, a point of research. I think you have some experience with financial well being, Al. <laughs>
1: tell the kind people yeah yeah I have Um, I think um, if you listen before you'll know that back in about 2000 and well by 2002 I started a business um, and uh, it was delivering beer to students in Leeds and Manchester after hours great idea in theory uh, in practice didn't make a lot of money from it. And then the licensing law changed, which meant that anyone could go to the local shop and buy beer at two o'clock in the morning. My business went from 20,000 a week to about 200 a week um, and uh, and everything sort of imploded. Um, I ended up going, well, I ended up going bankrupt for about 102,000 um, pounds. But the the lead up to that was, I think, the most stressful time of my life because um, I had like credit card bills of like 10,000 on here. I had a, a van that, um, that got repossessed. Um, I had, a, I bought a, like stupidly. I went and took a lease out on a new BMW cause I was doing property sales to, to basically make money. And I was told that I couldn't drive around in my battered old transit van. I had to go and get a decent car. So I went and took a lease out for that, which I couldn't really afford. And the whole thing just imploded and i remember i was in my apartment that i was well late on rent for um and uh, the bailiffs came to the door they were knocking on the door and i was saying to my uh, to my flatmate shh don't say anything um and the bailiffs were like we can hear you talking we know you're in there and it was like oh my god silly things like we used to go to the supermarket at 10 to 10 before it closed so we could go and buy all the stuff that was cheap um, i remember one time we walked into sainsburys which is like a local supermarket in the uk um and it just said it just said as many Piece, as many bakery products as you want for a pound. <laughs> and so I went round, I was just getting carrier bags full of bread rolls and stuff that was slightly stale. And then they took them home, froze them and that was our dinner. But anyway, I don't want to get the violins out because after that I managed to build a, um, a successful company based on debt, which was interesting. Um, and, uh, but yeah, that was really, 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 really tough. And it just consumed me. I just felt like every day I'd wake up and have this huge weight on my chest. going oh my god today i need to go and make at least 500 pounds so that of that 450 it was to pay my debt um and i was left 50 pound a day to kind of like live on and pay all my rents and all that kind of stuff which obviously the maths didn't add up um so i mean what was it's funny when i went bankrupt the actual day I went bankrupt, I, I went to court and I don't know if, you, if, if you've ever been bankrupt. Well, know you haven't, Liam. but if you're listening, you've ever been bankrupt. Um, is I thought it was kind of be like a big courtroom with where you see on TV where there's going to be a judge in a wig and people, you know, people wandering around with wigs on and saying, I, I put it to you, sir, that's so-and-so, so-and-so. And it's not, you go into a little tiny room, you put, give your paperwork and then about an hour later, they come back with it stamped and went, right, you're bankrupt. And uh, I remember walking out and, the first feeling I had was terror, like, oh, my God, my life is over. I'm never going to get a, be able to get a mortgage. By the way, I have now got a mortgage, so mm. that's a load of rubbish. Um, no one's going to give me a job. Again, I started my own business based on people who were going bankrupt, so that was a good thing. Um, but also then, as the afternoon sort of developed, and I had a couple of beers because I was so like, um, as the afternoon developed, I felt more relief. And then I woke up the next morning for the first time in such a long time, just feeling oh my God, every pound I earn today, I can use to spend on living rather than having to worry about paying debt. So all this to say, not necessarily to tell you about my experience, but more to say that if if you've never had money worries, then you don't know what it's like and how consuming it can be. And when I was doing my property sales, I know I wasn't spending, I was giving it 100%. I was giving it 40% because 60% of my, of my, attention was on thinking how am i going to eat tonight how am i going to pay all these bills oh my god i've got you know another letter from the mortgage company um saying that uh, they're going to repossess me etc cetera, etc cetera. so i don't want you to underestimate how important financial well-being is
0: well said that was yeah and i think even you could tell like the the you could see and, and hear the anxiety in your voice as you, you kind of record that time. And, and, you know, again, relaxing as, as you moved on, I think you're right, you cannot underestimate the impact um, of poor financial well Um Yeah. And in terms of not only on you as an individual, but on your performance, your productivity, your relationships, um, it is really far reaching. So yeah, so this is a real important moment for business leaders to to step up um and you know there's lots around about about well-being financial well-being might not have been a focus or something you've heard much about but it is going to be um and, you know, as the thing is, with every crisis, as i said, then comes incredible opportunity. Um, and one of the things that I know you would have heard of um, is, you know, the ongoing fight for talent, skill shortages, and how the importance of having a really attractive employer brand um, is, you know, key to competitive advantage in this type of market. And this gives you the opportunity to do that. Reason being, um, there was a recent survey, again, I think that it was Ramstead in October 20- 2022 so bang on recent um that uh, asked does your employer offer access to financial well-being or money advice sessions to help with the cost of living crisis al guesstimations on how many organizations said yes
1: what was the question does does your, your
0: employer offer access to financial well-being or money advice sessions to help with the cost of living crisis
1: my gut instinct says pretty low Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably go with somewhere around about 30%.
0: Slightly lower, but very close. Yeah, 26%. So a little over a quarter of businesses are currently offering uh, financial well-being and money advice. Uh, 40% uh, said no. Um, and the remainder wasn't sure. And I think that's actually quite a chunky, uh, was it 35% said so they weren't sure, quite a chunky um, um, number of people. Yeah, yeah, percentage. Um and my suspicion as to why this might be the case is that there's lots of organizations out there, um, including the clients that, that we work with at Oblong, that will have things in place like employee assistance programs or um, employee benefit platforms. Um, perks is one that comes to mind. And within that, they will have lots of add-ons and services and, and things that people can access. And 99% of them will have something around financial well-being money advice debts mortgages all that type of thing um so if you have one of these things in place um then you know have some awareness sessions with your staff um show them what is available um you know role play it out role model it use something and give them your experience of how you found it um because yeah if if that is the case that 35 percent of businesses have these, um, services, but people just aren't sure how to access them, then there's a massive opportunity um, with no extra expense. Um, and if you are part of that 40% that don't, um, then you are lagging behind your competitors. So this is something that you need to prioritize immediately.
1: Yeah, I think the, well, Leanne's a big proponent of employer brand, and there's lots of aspects of employer brand, but one of the main things is just being a nice place to work and being caring about your the well-being of your teams. And like you mentioned perks then, which I know that you've spoken to the MD, I think, a couple of times for for perks. Mm. Um it's not particularly expensive, is it?
0: No, it's it's oh I, I mean, I couldn't tell the exact price, but I think it's somewhere around kind of three to five pounds per employee per month, depending on the package that you choose. Um so yeah, it's not much, and she was actually saying to me actually that there are some organisations that, um, small organisations that didn't have the um the full budget to offer it to employees fully paid. Um, so what they actually did is is like a um they did like a um like a wage thing. So it comes out of your wages. The employee pays for it, but it comes out of their wages, right. um, which I mean isn't ideal and you need to be careful how you spend that. But at the same time, it's, you know, if somebody is having significant financial challenges and the thought of spending money might be triggering, but if that three pounds a month is going to give them access to services that are going to help them fully transform their financial wellbeing, then that might be an investment well-made but yeah it's it's not much and, and I think that's something that when you are sitting down as I said at the top doing your numbers um, and figuring out, what, figuring out what you can afford as a business try and find a way to afford something like this if you don't already have it in place um, if not for the well-being and performance of your um, employees and your business um, but for your competitive advantage
1: brilliant and it is a really good I and mean, there's other platforms out there available but I mean they do things like um, mindfulness there's I think there's there's uh, physical like PT there's um, all kinds of financial stuff on there um, so it's definitely worth looking at. Um, so as we're getting up to about 35 minutes then is there anything else that you think is important to mention to leaders now who want to help people with the cost of living crisis? Mm-hmm.
0: I think empathy is one of the Best things you can display as a leader in any circumstance, but particularly in this, and particularly in the area where people aren't as uh, you know as comfortable to talk about their financial situations and, and potential financial challenges. So having that empathy, sharing stories—if you've had a similar story to Al, um, you know—it's is it's, it's going to be going to be helpful. And listen, you know, and I think with. With empathy, it's important to listen first. Let somebody get the the current circumstance off their chest and what they're going through, and then come with them. At, well, you know, at them with the solutions. Don't necessarily go go diving in. Um, and, you know, awareness is, is a big thing. You know, if you, they said, if you've got those programs in place, making sure your employees know how to access them, um, both in terms of financial support. And there's also things like, um, use like shopping vouchers and stuff now, or like cashback and that type of thing. You know, show them how much they can save, show them what they can do to um, to reduce their bills down. Um And yeah, awareness. There are lots of organisations out there um, that offer um, support, free support um, to people um, who are suffering. So yes, signpost to these external services. Um, So for example, um, I think there's there's a Citizens Advice Bureau is a really good port of call for. Everything to do with that. Um, and in terms of what they'll also be able to do is help you as well in terms of any benefits that you may be eligible for, in terms of child tax credits or tax breaks if you're married, um, all that type of stuff. Um, and yeah, the, any kind of debt helplines out there, we'll leave lots of links in, in the show notes for you. Um, I think it really is just a case of making sure that if you can't offer the support within your business, look at ways that you may be able to, um, and at the very least, signpost to external services.
1: Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, There's a guy called uh, Martin Lewis, a money-saving expert Mm -hmm. in the UK, and I know that he's getting traction in the US and Australia now, um, and he's always got some really good ideas. In fact, with interest rates going up at the moment, there's a particular term, and I've forgotten what it's called, but quite often you can go and take money from a credit card at... um, uh, or from a loan on a low interest rate and then invested in a saving account at a higher interest rate, and you can make money that way. Now, obviously, speak, go to his his site and read what he's talking about because I've, I did it way, way back then and I messed it up. Um, but uh, there's all kinds of different ways like that. And I think just being really, like Leanne said, being really empathetic. Um, and if you are a business owner, chances are you've had money struggles because most business owners spend the first year or two years balancing everything just tell your story
0: yeah
1: you know I think just being really open and I've found that the number of speaking gigs I got back when I'd gone bankrupt I thought nobody wanted to talk to me and everybody wanted to talk to me they wanted me to come and do uh do presentations on being bankrupt because the you know not many people are actually able to talk about it and be honest about it so so I think yeah empathy honesty and just you know just be good people if you can
0: yeah, absolutely. And uh, one other organization actually that's just spring to mind that I actually referred a client to uh last week is um, an organization called Prosperity Employee. Uh sorry, um, Prosperity Wealth, uh, who offer a range of services around um, employee benefits and financial well being. They usually have a free webinar every kind of four to six weeks. Um so have a look on their website again, we'll link it. Um and they're actually also offer, and I think this particular offer may be finished now in the UK um because you were able to schedule it at a free 10 10- conversation and to benchmark uh, your current staff benefits compared to your competitors. Um, So yeah, so have a look on their website. Um, It covers uh, not only salary, but 10 key benefits such as pension, health schemes, um, and yeah, lots of other good stuff. So have a look at have a look at that. We'll leave it in the the show sure notes and yeah, get in touch. And I the reason I feel confident uh referring them is they are the people um who actually put me onto perks in the beginning, which I've had some dealings with, as i said. Um, and also my client went through this last week and found it a really helpful consultation. Um so yeah, we'll we'll put that link in for you.
1: Fabulous. Okay, so if you enjoyed this, then do us a favor, subscribe. And also tell someone else about it or a few other people about it. Um, as you know, we're only on, what, episode 11 now, is it?
0: Episode
1: yeah, 10? I think I so. Remember. So we're we're only brand new um, and uh, we've got the support from HubSpot now, but we also need the support from you. So feel free to share this, um, tell your friends, and um, yeah, we'll see you next time, I think. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.